Welcome to Coffee in Exile, a podcast that explores faith, culture, and you guessed it, coffee. My name is Aaron Visser, and I'm thankful that you're joining me on today's adventure. So why don't you pour yourself a cup of coffee, get comfy, as we dive deep into today's subject. Well, hey there, and welcome back to Coffee in Exile. My name is Aaron Visser, and I'm your host today. I hope you guys have a good cup of coffee or whatever you drink. You're comfy, you're driving, wherever you might find yourself, and you're ready for today's episode as we dive into our series on lament. We kicked it off last week uh, talking about what is lament. That's the series name is just what is lament. Uh, I kind of gave a general overview of lament. And now today we're going to go a little bit deeper in the first step in formulating a lament prayer. And I'm looking forward to that. But before we get there, we need to talk some coffee. Uh, I was gifted a bag of coffee from, it's roasted from Cafe Monte. I don't know much about them. I've heard them, don't know much about them. So if you know, let me know. Uh, Or if you've had their beans and there's a really good one that you suggest, please let me know and I will pick it up. Because I was given one uh, that I was not particularly a fan of. Now, I was given it, so I was thankful. I'm always thankful for uh, coffee, especially when it's free and it's given to me. And I'm always thankful when people know that I like freshly roasted coffee and not your stale store-bought and stuff that's been sitting on the grocery shelves for weeks. So I was very thankful and excited. I ground it up to my liking for a V60 pour-over. I, I did everything correct, and I just noticed how it was brewed. I was like, okay, maybe I made a mistake, but it just looked a little different took a sip and it was nasty and I'm not trying to be rude sorry if anyone from Cafe Monte listens to this I'd be surprised if you do but it was nasty and uh, and uh, it was smooth though I have to give it that it was a very smooth cup of coffee but I did not enjoy it and I didn't read anything on the bag because I, I try not to because I like to uh, let my own tongue and palate figure out what uh, if I like the bean or not and not let the bag tell me so I said okay maybe it's just a bean that's not good on the pour over so I said okay I'll make a French press out of this bean and there I go I measure it all out measure my water this is important step into making good coffee get a scale measure your stuff you'll be uh, surprised at how big of a difference it makes anyways I made it into a French press, served it to my wife, Bailey, and myself, and we both just were not a fan of it, and we couldn't figure out why, so finally I looked at the bag, and long behold, there it is, the reason why I don't like it, dark roast. I hate dark roast coffee. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm so thankful for this, and uh, I'm just not a fan of dark roast coffee. Uh, I can't get into it. Um, and, uh, so it it just tastes burnt to me where my jam is. I really like a medium roast or light roast. Now, light roast depends. It depends on the bean. Uh, but I really like a medium, a light to medium roast. I find that's where flavor pops, uh, the greatest out of your bean. Uh, because you know, you know, coffee beans are, are basically just fruit plants, right? They come from fruit plants and, um, that's why there's so much flavor packed in them, depending which part of the world you get them from. Me personally, I love an African bean from that continent uh it can be tanzanian it could be rwandan i love rwandan and both tanzania uh, congo i've had them all and they are so good south american beans yeah they're okay i they're not my favorite i get the odd good uh south american bean but i really love african beans they're really good but anyways 
Back to dark roast. Not a fan of it. Tastes burnt to me. It removes all the flavor. If you like dark roast, that's your jam. Nobody can tell you, uh, <laughs> you know, you're wrong for liking a certain type of coffee um, because it's all up to what is good to you. Don't worry about, you know, how other people say things should taste. If it tastes good to you, that's what's important as long as you're enjoying it. Anyways, I don't enjoy dark roast. But long behold, I uh, was working uh, and I took the bag with me and I brewed it. Uh, through just a regular percolator, like, you know, just the one you have sitting on your counter that doesn't really do anything good for your bean, just waters it down. And it was delicious through the perk. And I was so surprised, maybe because the water uh, ratios are way off there and it just watered it down for me and it was delicious. I don't know. I liked it that way. Very smooth bean, though. I do have to give them that. Uh, anyways, I'll get off my rant on this bean. I was, I did a wedding just a couple days ago in uh, Lake Louise at the Fairmont, uh, hotel there, gorgeous hotel. And on the way back, one of my favorite all time favorite coffee shops is in Canmore, Alberta called Eclipse Coffee Roasters. You can order their stuff online, pick up their beans. Some of the best beans you'll ever have come from Eclipse Coffee Roasters. Anyways, I picked up a sweet bag of, uh, some new coffee, brewed it up today. So good, but I'm not going to talk about it today. I'll save that for next week and our next, uh, pod, but it is delicious. Do yourself a favor, do your tongue a favor and pick up some Eclipse Coffee Roasters coffee. Well, let's jump into our study titled, What is Lament? We are going to talk about turning to God today. This is the first step in a lament prayer, a biblical lament prayer. We must turn to God in our pain, in the midst of our needs, not to other things like porn or alcohol, food or Netflix and binge watch as binge watch all these episodes as we just uh, polished off the second container of ice cream because we just can't deal with life anymore. You see, when life is hard, when hardships come and we get the phone call that we never wanted or didn't expect, we tend to turn to other things than God that promise a lot that give us instant satisfaction, but will not give us lasting, uh, or, sorry, it gives us instant gratification, but will not give us uh, lasting satisfaction. But when we turn to God, that is when we, when we do the hard work of lament, that is when we will uh, obtain lasting satisfaction, Lord. And as John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So to be blunt, when life is hard, we tend to turn to small g gods, things that take the place of God in our life. But we must learn to turn to him first and foremost in the midst of all of our pain and struggle and need. You see, lament can be defined as a loud cry or a howl or a passionate expression of grief. But biblical lament is more than sorrow or talking about sadness. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. Lament is a statement of faith. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting person wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's pro uh, sorry, and the promise of God's goodness. 
In his book, Rejoicing in Lament, Todd Billings says this about lament. It is precisely out of trust that God is sovereign that the psalmist repeatedly brings lament and petitions to the Lord. If the psalmist had already already decided a verdict that God is indeed unfaithful, they would not continue to offer their complaint to God. Therefore, lament is rooted in what we believe. It's a prayer loaded with theology. And that's a great quote, and it should give you freedom to lament. You see, I believe in the meticulous sovereignty of God, and because I believe that, it's the exact reason why I'm able to offer laments to God that end in trust and a renewed confidence in Him. Because we as humans know that the world is broken. We are not created to live in this state. We know there are better days ahead. This world we live in is not edemic, meaning it's not how God created man to live in the garden. Just read the first couple chapters of Genesis. You will see how God designed us to live, which was in perfect harmony and relationship with him. But you know how the story ends. Adam and Eve sin and thrust the whole world and all of its inhabitants into uh, a broken system. The world has fallen. The world is broken, which causes us to cry out to God, to offer our lament to him. God is powerful, you see, and he will be faithful. Therefore, lament stands in the gap uh, between our pain and and our promise. Lament offers you language that anchors you to what you know is true while you wait for the promise to be fulfilled. It doesn't matter if you're walking through a death of a loved one, if you're unable to conceive a child, or you have a sickness like cancer or another serious illness. It doesn't matter if you're struggling because you are lonely or feeling isolated or you're always criticized. Maybe you feel rejected or forgotten. Whatever it is that you are struggling with, lament stands in the gap between your current pain and suffering and the promise of God the promise of God that we will live with him forever, that we were created for perfect harmony and relationship with him. And one day we will be with him forever, that Christ will wipe away personally every tear from our eyes and we will be with him with no pain, no suffering, no isolation, no rejection, no hurt, no wondering, but we will be in perfect harmony with him. But for now we live in this pain. We live in this hurt and lament is in the gap between this pain and our future hope, our future glory, which is why Paul can say, you know, this light momentary affliction and you're thinking what are you talking about Paul this doesn't feel light nor does it feel momentary but when you contrast your pain and your suffering with the eternal weight and glory of God that you will be with him and see him face to face all the pain and suffering that feel like they're dragged on forever and just hits you one after another will be light and momentary as you stand in the face of God and he was wipes the tears of pain from your eyes. Amen. What a glorious future hope we have. But for now, we suffer. And for now, we struggle. But lament is what stands in the gap between our pain and the promise of God. Lament is a prayer in pain. Any pain, doesn't matter what it is, that leads to trust. Trust in the Lord. And did you catch that last part? It leads to trust. Lament must lead to a renewed confidence and trust in God because if it doesn't, you will never heal from your pain. You will only wallow in it and you will eventually die in it. Throughout the scriptures, lament 
gives voice to the strong emotions that believers feel because of suffering. What strong emotions are you currently feeling because of the circumstances you find yourself in? We have just walked through one of the craziest and hardest years that we have ever faced. How you doing? How are you feeling? Maybe you've asked the two questions that are normally found in a lament prayer that are usually found there, which is number one, where are you, God? Where are you, Lord, in the midst of 2020, in the midst of COVID? Where are you, Lord? I feel like you've abandoned me. I feel like I have been cast off. I feel like I've been rejected. I feel like you are have your feet up somewhere and you've forgotten about us. Where are you, God? Maybe you've asked that question during these last couple of years or throughout your life. And the second question is, and maybe the question that gets asked the most is, if you love me, why is this happening? If you love me, why am I suffering? If you love me, why am I always poor? If you love me, why am I always sick? If you love me, why did they have to die? If you love me, why? Maybe you've asked these questions. Because these are common questions we see throughout the Psalms, and they are common questions we ask today. So without further ado, let's begin by exploring our first step in a prayer of lament. And it's my prayer that by the end of this series, you will have the necessary tools to formulate a lament prayer that will lead you, yes, you listening, to a renewed confidence and hope in our loving Heavenly Father. So most biblical laments follow the same pattern. Uh, they, they don't always, they're not always in order, the same order, but they always follow this uh, same pattern. You'll find all four of these elements normally in all the lament psalms. Number one, which we're talking about today, is turning to God or an address to God. Number two is a complaint. Number three is a request. And number four is an expression of trust and or praise, which is our end goal, our landing destination. And we will look at number one today, which is turning to God. Lament begins with an invitation to turn to God while in pain. Not after pain, not when everything's fixed, not when you're feeling better, not when, uh, you know, everything's been worked out, but while you're in the mess and hurt of pain. In the dark night of the soul, lament begins with an invitation to turn to God. We see in Psalm 77, and you can find these in all the lament psalms, like I said, but we'll use Psalm 77 today in verses 1 to 2. The psalmist says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hands are stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. We see right away that the psalmist is in great distress. He's in pain. Just look how he opens the psalm. I cry aloud to God. But also notice that he's not staying silent. He is not bottling up his emotion. He is turning to God. He is speaking to God. He's not turning to sin. He's not staying silent, but he's turning to God. All of verses 1 and 2 are filled with languages that show us that the psalmist is not staying silent, but rather crying out to his heavenly Father. He says, He will hear me when I pray. In my day of trouble, I, see, I seek the Lord. In night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. Clearly, he is reaching out in the midst of his pain. Don't miss that point. Don't miss this point. He is turning to God in pain, not after pain, not before pain, but in pain pain, which shows us that it takes faith to lament. It takes faith. 
It truly does. It's easier to sit in your suffering and wallow in it than uh, hand it over to God to speak about it, to pray about it, because it takes faith. Choosing to turn to God and pray in pain without the answers to your problem, without knowing the outcome, without even knowing why it is happening is an act of faith where we open our hearts on raw display to God. Prayerful lament is better than silence. Don't be afraid of lament. Some have said that it's too honest, it's too risky, it's too open, but there's something far worse than that. Silent despair. Giving God the silent treatment is the ultimate manifestation of unbelief. Silence, silent despair is rooted in the wrong belief that God doesn't care. He won't hear me. He is, uh, uh, nothing's ever going to happen even if I pray. People who believe this stop praying, stop trusting, and give up. When you read in the book of James in the New Testament where he's talking about the double-minded man, this is the double-minded man. It's not talking about if you have a little bit of doubt that you're a double-minded man. No, because we all have doubt, and I'll get to that. But rather what he's saying is that the person who won't even bother to pray or reach out to God is the double-minded man. It's like sitting in a house, and it's on fire, and you're saying, man, it's all going to be okay. God's not going to answer anyways. I'm just going to stay here and see what happens. No, that's a double-minded man. Rather, that that and that people normally give up when you get to that point. But lament directs our emotions by prayerfully vocalizing our hurt, our questions, and even our doubt. So my question for you is, have you stopped speaking to God about your pain? Have you become disappointed by unanswered prayers or frustrated by out-of-control circumstances? Because when you stay in this state, you end up in the desert, unable or even maybe refusing to talk to God. You're sitting in that fire like the guy I described. But instead of getting up and doing something and talking to God, you sit there and say, well, nothing's going to happen anyways. I might as well just let this place burn down on me. You're in the desert. That's where you end up when you refuse to talk to God. Because my friends, this silence is a soul killer. So pray your struggles, pray your pain. And this doesn't guarantee that pain will lift or the struggle will vanish immediately. But we see clearly uh, in our psalm that th- that's just not true. You know, some people, we want a quick fix. If we, if we pray or if we, if we lament, then that means I'm going to get answers. That means pain's going to go away. But just, just look as we finish off the uh, verse 2 and go into verse 3 and 4. It says, my, my soul refuses to be comforted. Verse 3, when I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold, verse 4, you hold my eyelids open. Just picture that. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. So clearly, the psalmist is crying out to God. He is praying by faith, but clearly it's not bringing immediate comfort or resolution. One could say by speculation that he's praying and his prayers are not working. But yet, what's he doing? He's still praying. He's not just sitting there and letting the house burn down on him. He's still praying despite the fact that it's not bringing him immediate comfort nor or resolution. Lament does not always lead to immediate solution. Grief is not tame. Lament is not a simplistic formula that will cure all pain and hurt. Lament, as one author says, is a song you sing believing that one day God will answer and restore. 
I love that. A song you sing, believing one day God will answer and restore. Lament invites us to pray through our struggles with a life that is far from perfect. Part of turning to God is praying your questions. Get real with God. He knows that you have questions and he wants to hear them. And I'll give you a disclaimer. This part is similar to step two, which is complaint, but they are different. And we will talk about that in the next pod. But for now, pray your questions. Pray your honest feelings. We see the psalmist doing this just in... in in uh, Psalm 77, I'll just give you a couple. Uh, will the Lord spurn forever? Verse 7. Will he never again be favorable? Verse 7. Has has a steadfast love forever ceased? Verse 8. Are his promises at an end for all time? Verse 8. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Verse 9. Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Verse 9. And I don't think the psalmist truly believes all these questions, like fully believes them as truth. You see that in the and, and you see that clearly in the rest of the psalm, but he does something important here. Honestly praying this way recognizes that pain and suffering often create difficult emotions that are not based upon truth, but feel like truth nonetheless. Meaning that the the pain and the suffering is producing a lie about God normally. And it feels like truth. God has rejected me. God hates me. God is mad at me. He's never going to be favorable to me. He, his steadfast love has forever ceased. Not true, but it feels true to the person going through the pain. So maybe you've had this before. Maybe you're feeling discouraged and you're thinking that God has given up on you. He's done with me. I'm, I'm, I'm worthless. Maybe you're feeling lonely and you think God has rejected you or abandoned you. Maybe you can't bear to face tomorrow and, you, and you're believing the lie that God will not provide for you. All of those are lies, but they feel like truth to you. And you know your questions. You know what, you're, what you're, you tend to believe about God and project upon God. And I, and I challenge you to pray through them. Find the lie that you're believing and replace it with the truth. Or the old adage is replace, you know, a vice with virtue. Find the vice and replace it with the virtue. Get rid of the lie and replace it with the truth. Preach the gospel into that situation and begin to live it. Preach the gospel yourself every day. We're going to do an episode on preaching the gospel yourself and what that means. But for now, find the truth and anchor yourself to that truth. So you know your questions, find your lies, find the truth and preach it yourself. And while while we are still in pain, remember that lament reminds our hearts of what we believe to be true Remember going back to the beginning of this pod that we were designed to be in perfect relationship and harmony with God and lament reminds us of our hearts, what we believe to be true, that we are meant to be there with God, that God has not abandoned us, that God has not left us higher dry, that he doesn't regret saving us, but he loves us and he will liberate us in this life or the life to come. So as I begin to close, I want to just tell you a personal story of mine. I walked through one of the hardest moments of my life. Actually, February 3rd will be seven years since my father had passed away. And he was sick for many, many years uh, before that. And it was just a long, 
hard uh, battle for my family to see him sick and for myself and and it, uh, and I won't go into all the details because you don't need all the details but it was a hard time and and I went away to Bible college I was in my first year of Bible college and I went back for second semester and I got the phone call that nobody wants to get and it was one of my uncles calling me and filling me in on the details and uh, uh, told me what the grave realities of what was going to happen. Long story short, I was able to be picked up and we drove all night. I was about six or seven hours from where we lived. And I was able to say goodbye to my father on his deathbed. And I struggled. I struggled so much. And, and looking back, because I beat myself up for going to Bible college, I said to myself that I should have taken some time and met and, 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 you know, went and visit my dad more and blah, 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 all those regrets you have. And I look back now and I realize that my father's passing happened at the best time possible because I was in the Christian bubble. I went to a Bible college that was purely just for studying the Bible. There wasn't any other, th other stuff you could do there. So I was surrounded by men and women who were dedicated to studying the word and they surrounded me and they prayed for me and we, and we cried and laughed together. And I had Christian counselors right there on campus and I met with them and they gave me these tools. Now we didn't call it lament then they were, they were, they were but just these tools that follow this pattern of lament. And that's why I want to give them to you because they liberated me. They, they caused me to get through my hard questions because I had hard questions. My father was a Christian man and I questioned the Lord of why, then this is serious. This is dark, but this is where I went. Why didn't you kill so-and-so's dad who is a, you know, a drug addict or so-and-so? So's dad, who's always at the bar drinking. No, why'd you kill my dad, who is a man who wanted to serve you and love you, uh, and you and you killed him? And I was believing that lie, and I wanted to drop out of college because I thought, man, I'm going through to be a pastor. Is he going to kill me next? And I had all these scared lies and all these uh, questions for the Lord, and the counselor walked me through that to ask these questions, to turn to God, the first step in lament, and ask these tough questions. And I knew deep down that they weren't true, but they felt true to me. And I worked through them and he gave me some really good advice. He said this, and I want to give it to you. He said, the why question is important. It's okay to have the why question. Don't feel like you're a bad believer because you have these why questions when you go through pain and suffering. But there is a point, you got to ask them, but there is a point when you need to surrender them, which brings us to step four in lament, which we'll talk about more in detail, but that is the renewed confidence and trust in the Lord. Um, and that's, and so if you have these why questions, okay, ask them, pray them, work them through, but begin to the point you, you're going to have to get ready when it comes to the point that you will need to one day surrender them. Cause if you don't, you will always live in the pain and hurt and never heal. And, 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 you know, he, he, he also gave some liberating advice around that as well. I'm not saying that you're going to, one day be totally numb to the fact of that you've lost someone or went through hardship or pain or whatever. But he says, you know, you're going to get healed and you're going to be able to function again in life, but you always have that sting and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you have lack of faith. That just means that you, you've went through a battle. You have a wound. You're going to have a limp for the rest of your life, but that limp will, will remind you and point you to the glory of God, that he is faithful and he has saw you through and he's working it all out for good. So if you are on, you know, year seven or or whatever of a death of somebody or a hardship or whatever and you still have a little bit of a pain at times around anniversaries and things like that that's okay but it just points you back to the reality that god is good that he saw you through it 
that you're here today to serve him and to love him and to preach the gospel to all around you. So it's okay that you have that pain. And I hope that helps. I hope that liberates you a little bit. But so as I close, I want to just give you a couple personal suggestions when it comes to step one. And that is don't move too fast through step one. Sit there for a while. Sit there in the weight of your questions. Let it weigh on you. Feel the raw pain of the unfamiliar fogginess. We tend to want quick fixes. I call it we live in a McDonald's world, right? We want to drive up to the drive-thru, get our burger, and get going. We don't want to wait. We don't want to be stuck in line. And we project that onto God, and we project that onto healing. But healing's not like McDonald's. It's not quick. Healing is slow. Lamenting is slow. Allow God to move uh, you to a renewed confidence, which he will, but it will be done in his time. Remember, this is the first step. And I must remind you again that lament, as one author said, is not meant to be a cul-de-sac where you get stuck in and live in, but rather a bridge uh, that, that brings you back to renewed trust in God. But sometimes that bridge, it takes a little longer to get over it. It's a slow process. You're not going to sprint over that bridge. Let the healing happen. Healing slow. Lamenting is slow. You might, your process might be quicker than mine or mine might be quicker than yours or slower, whatever. Don't let other people's timelines uh, stress you out or force you to move quicker than you need to go. Let God work it in you. Let God work you into renewed confidence. Take your time in step one. Don't move too fast. Another word of advice on that that I received was, you know, when something painful happens to you, like death of somebody or, or a bad doctor's report, you know, that affects you and it affects the ones around you for a time, but eventually they just move on. They get back to the rhythms of life, uh, life and they wonder why you're still stuck in that. Why are you still wallowing over that? Well, it's not affecting you like it's affecting me. It's kind of like when you see something tragic on the news and you're like, for a couple of days, you're sad about it, but eventually... You haven't thought about it for a while, but the, you can you can be sure that the people that that tragic event happened to are still thinking about it, are still wallowing in it. Because we're human, we tend to just get back to it. But when it's personal to you, yeah, you know, it's uh, it, you tend to sit in it longer, and people have moved on, but you're still there. But don't let how fast other people move on make you move too quick. Sit there, let healing happen, healing slow, lamenting slow, and allow God to move you to renewed confidence in Him. Well, I hope this episode blessed you. I hope uh, this has helped you and given you language to turn to God and to pray your questions to Him. He's not scared of your questions. He's not ashamed of your questions, so you shouldn't be either. So pray Him. Be honest and allow it to work in you the first step in your healing journey. Well, I hope everyone has been blessed by this. Talk to you later. Mm -hmm.